0: Again, it's the, the packages that they put out and this is where I think they, they missed a massive trick because they're not encouraging people to move on to a 5G tariff
1: um, you know, the pricing is prohibitive. Hello and welcome to another Telecoms.com podcast. We decided to try what you could call a studio, it's more of a room at this yeah. stage, um, but this, you know, watch this background, it might turn into studio and in so we can put egg boxes and stuff. Yep. I don't know how it works. Yeah, okay, so we're trying that and uh, do feel free to give us feedback on whether you prefer the sort of office background. Um, Just as a reminder that if you're watching this on Facebook or on YouTube or on the site, you can listen to it on iTunes or SoundCloud and vice versa. And I've got one other brief little plug. Yet another Telecoms.com sub-brand that's that's beloved by the industry is the awards. Uh, I just want a reminder to everyone who's listening to this that if you haven't um, sent an entry for the awards, then you're missing out on potential enormous recognition. So here's a little prod to submit your entry to the awards. What okay. are they called? They're called the Glowtel Awards. Thanks, Pierre. Um, right, that's that. What are we going to talk about? I think we might be able to avoid Huawei this week, but let's see. Fingers crossed. We're going to start by talking about the official launch of 5G in the UK, and I think it might have cropped up recently in one or two other places. So um, we'll start by talking about that. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about something we touched on last week, and there've been some developments. This this big M and A between T-Mobile US and Sprint, um, which is taking what it's been about two years already, and um, and and there keeps being um, little twists and turns in the sort of regulatory um, environment for them. And then we're going to finish off with a little chat about cryptocurrency. There's been some interesting developments there. Okay. So EE, um, didn't actually attend the event in the flesh, but uh, I saw all the coverage of it and EE's and uh, press release. They officially flicked the switch on 5G in six cities, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Cardiff, Edinburgh...
2: Belfast. Or, Belfast, thank so you. Four, four national... Okay, so we got all the, Yeah, no, no
1: one felt left out. No, that would have no been exactly. a bit of a, no bit of a schoolboy error, wouldn't it? They'd left out. What don't yeah, know if they left out Wales, would have been unforgivable, um, and uh, and they commemorated. <laughs> just shaking his head, uh, and they commemorated it by sticking a big stage in the middle of the River Thames and putting on uh, an artist called Stormzy. I've got to admit, oh. grime is apparently this subgenre of rap or hip hop or whatever it is. Not exactly a strength of mine. That's my consistent t-shirts indicate but um yeah he stood up there and and did his thing and he even talked a bit about 5g and e and all that ting at the end of it um and uh yeah it, it was i've got to say so credit to ee they obviously chucked a few quid at it um they put on a big show they got the bbc involved doing like live broadcasts and all that sort of thing but then in the piece i actually wrote up about it yeah, being being a journalist and looking for balance, I, I collated a bunch of views of a few people who are a bit meh. They're a bit like, okay, great, well done, E, but what does that actually mean? What's the big deal? So, and I think you know, a lot of these things that we've covered when we're talking about five G in general in the past, for example, five G in its current incarnation is basically just a bit more mobile broadband. Yeah. It isn't all that other good stuff. Yeah um and uh, and what does that mean for for consumers so I mean, I might throw that one out there first jamie as a as a consumer if you're if you're with e or whoever you're with and five g became available to you would you would you jump at it
0: no no um i mean it's completely redundant at the moment uh you know there are no applications on the market which require that much,
1: not even four K streaming. No, but I mean, even <laughs> if you,
0: I mean, what's the point in having four K streaming on your mobile device They're anyway? Quick. You're not going to have any. The, the the screen size isn't big enough to make use of four K video. Yeah. Um, you know, <coughs> HD HD is good. HD is better than SD, but you only need, I think they say, what between five to ten megabits per second consistently to stream for HD. For, uh, HD video. Um, so. At the moment, you're spending money on redundant headroom in the sort of the the, the, the data tariffs. You know what's the point in getting a hundred megabits per second, which isn't even the five G promise. That's
2: the low low end. Yeah, I think when um, the BBC was was showing it, it was like two hundred something on average, and at the peak point, it reached about. Seven eight hundred. But that's but but that, that, I, that's the peak. But,
0: but again, that's slightly redundant because like exactly. devices are never going to get eight hundred exactly. megabits per second. So it's, it's the handset that most handsets don't support that at the moment. But but again, but from the from the services and the applications perspective, it's completely redundant because there's not going to be any um irrelevant of whether they can actually deliver it at, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you got the capability of hitting hundred megabits per second, which is probably all the base stations are going to get. Uh, mm-hmm. For these phones in the first couple of years, anyway, uh, until the genuine upgrades and you know, release 16, which is coming next year, yep. actually come through. That's where you get the real, real high th- throughput speeds. Um, what is the point? I mean, at the moment, you pay for a data service, and as long as that data service satisfies yep. the demands of your phone, is there any point in paying above for a service which offers 100 megabits
1: per second? Um, yeah. It's completely redundant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it was interesting just looking on the on the press release. The press release is obviously very effusive and, and heavy on hyperbole and, and what a big deal all this is. But then looking for the sort of the hook, the consumer hook. Yeah, we still only get those sorts of look. You can download the entirety of War and Peace in one nanosecond type of thing. It's still a speeds and feeds sort of play. And as you say, we're sort of we're all right. So there's nothing. You know, when, when I've got a 4G connection, there's very few times I feel really bandwidth constrained where I'm really frustrated at the lack of bandwidth I've got. So I agree with you, Jamie. They, they're sort of solving a problem that doesn't exist I mean, the only, right now. The only immediate use case that I can see
0: is when you're in somewhere like central London and the network is congested. But I mean, that's completely irrelevant. Um, mm. you know, if I'm, if I'm walking around the South Bank and I'm struggling to get on a 4G network, it's not because the speed isn't fast enough. Yeah. It's because the pipe isn't big enough, um, and five G will correct that because it will allow more data to mm. flow through the pipe and big,
1: big loads of sort of mid and high
0: frequency bandwidth they can use up. But then, but then at the same time, that's not what EE are suggesting. They're say they're not saying you can get more data and more devices can connect to a single base station. They're saying you will get faster data, um, which is. Which is beside the point, mm. to be perfectly honest. Yeah. In, in any case, and the only way that this, oh, you can download a HD movie in three minutes or whatever, makes a difference is if <coughs> you're caching the content on your device, uh, because then, but but most in most cases, you're live streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So so there's no point in having incredibly fast download speeds and downloading an entire file because it doesn't get cached. You're actually streaming through most video applications, not actually downloading the the, yeah. uh, the content onto your phone. So again, it's, it's a
1: bit redundant. So, wait, your your background, or a lot of your background, I know you have a rich and varied background. Don't just say I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Back in last century, no. Your background, uh, some of it is in mobile media and yeah. all that sort of thing. So, you know, imagine you were still doing some of those jobs before where where you've got to sort of think of maybe a way to use this new resource. Are are there any particular areas um, where if you were doing it, you'd you'd flag up to tap into the potential of 5G?
2: Yeah, I think it's quite interesting is one case I did quite a bit of research in my previous job was uh, LTE Broadcasting. And one of the companies that actually had invested in quite a bit of research was the BBC and right. uh, they've showcased in a few live events using LTE broadcasting to, to live broadcast events um there was a debate at that time already as whether operators should they were, I think they were working with primarily EE at that time right um there was already a debate at that time whether operators should go for LTE broadcasting or should they wait for 5G um, apparently the answer now is 5G isn't right. uh, can you remind me what
1: LTE broadcast cuz it was it was a standard that was it was sort of in parallel to regular LTE. Yeah. yeah.
2: So if um um so broadcasting by definition means yeah. it's, it's not single casting. So yeah. If, so one if, thing to uh, yeah. So it's one to many instead yeah. of one to one. So if you you are using normal cellular network to do like live casting of a um, sports event for example for example fifty thousand people sitting in the stadium trying to stream a football match mm-hmm. to their friends then you need so many channels yeah. but broadcasting I mean well it's by just definition yeah it's just one one you, you don't need so many so many yeah. channels so that's the particular and obviously broadcast technology has been around for about a century isn't it or plus yeah if you take so sort of radio yeah, and, all you, and all that you, but you take that to the to the cellular context right so that was one particular case that I found uh, quite interesting that 5G is finally uh, declaring the end of LTE broadcasting. Right. So no one is no longer talking about it. Uh, although, I mean, another angle I'm looking at the EE launch is um, finally 5G is coming to Europe. So we've been talking about Asia leading 5G, yep. North America leading uh, 5G. Yes, I mean, South Korea launched earlier, the US launched earlier than Europe, but, but finally, I mean Swisscom launched um, in April, in what, 50-something 50, 50 cities? Towns, I think they call it, but including all the big cities. Um, then EE launched here, six cities, and Vodafone is going to launch in July or June. So yeah, I
1: suppose, I thought we were supposed to be miles behind. That that narrative's not playing. Yeah,
2: and well, we are half a year behind. Okay, because like in South Korea, they're up and Uh, running fully now, aren't they? Verizon launched in November, South Korea sort of self-launched in December, then they formally launched a couple of months ago. So yeah, Asia and North America are ahead of us, (laughs) but Europe is not that behind, right. as as um, some commentators were saying, yeah. yeah, not 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 too long ago. So <coughs> yeah, but at the same time, you see Germany is still um sort of slowly moving there, and other markets um are still building the network. Hmm. Um, so there will be more networks in Asia. I I believe, and, and North America they are launching it, that they are rolling it out to more cities. Uh, But Europe is not that slow, so in that sense it's probably good good, good news, yes.
1: And and just to finish off um, asking you about this, so ask Jamie if if he's excited by it and whether, as a consumer, he's excited by it, how about you?
2: Um, No, I think uh, me, in person, uh, personally, no. I'm only... But um, yeah. I think um, the LTE network is good enough for me and just for example, you are using, I, I don't check out, I haven't checked out their tariffs yet, uh, if I'm going to use uh, 5G and, and if I'm going to stream uh, 8K video over 5G, that could burn my um, data yeah. package probably in one go. And I would up my um, my package vastly to use the service. And it's, it's
0: not. It, I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's again, it's the the packages that they put out, and this is where I think they they missed a massive trick because they're not encouraging people to move on to a five G tariff. Um, you know the pricing is prohibitive cheap, 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 right, um, right. you know the, ch- the cheapest you can get is something like if you want a 5G device included <coughs> it's something like 69 quid a month or something yeah. like that and a hundred quid up front or something stupid yeah. not exact right numbers um, the total cost of ownership coming up to about
1: 2k over the course of the contract yeah yeah
0: but but the, the big the, the big bit of oversight for me is that that is stopping people Getting on to the contract, mm-hmm. whereas you want to encourage as many people as possible onto a 5G contract because it's cheaper to deliver connectivity yeah. through 5G tariffs than it is to deliver through 4G. That's tariffs. supposed to be one of the benefits. It's, isn't it? it's incredibly efficient. So the more people you have on a 5G tariff, um, admittedly this will, uh, if, if they do encourage more people on, they'd have to accelerate their capex plans. But the more um, people you move onto five G, yeah. the cheaper it becomes to run exactly. your business because deli- the, the business of delivering data is actually cheaper. No, that's so a good they're point. missing out on a, comp- a, a, a huge trip with this. The prohibitive nature of the. I mean, I've gone on to i I've gone to. I mean, you got my story that I wrote last so week. So just for people where who I listed are... all the tariffs.
1: Right. Yeah, I'll get onto that. Just just while, we, while you were talking I noticed I remembered that I got a text message I'm e-customer as well that I got a text message from them um, welcome to 5G just saying yeah discover 5G <laughs> 5G is here experience a more reliable connection in the busiest places speeds like you've never seen before a near instant connection and yeah, so on a,
2: another point that you wrote um, Scott in your in your uh, reporting is that someone was speaking to you about the sort of digital divide, not in the the normal sense we would associate with that term, is actually the divide between... That was
1: Jamie, that's that's the piece he's referring to, Uh, where he he spoke about like a two-tier type of thing. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the prohibitive... So
2: um, we're still not reaching 95% coverage of LTE yet, and in the six cities, um, we start talking about 5G. So, yeah, will it actually increase the digital divide inside the country? so yeah that's um that's, that's another way of uh probably looking so at
0: it. i mean this is this is the this is what we we're talking about here like you know the cheapest if you want to go for a samsung device which i'm assuming well considering it's the market leader most people will oh, a one. the cheapest one is 58 pounds uh, a month and that's 149 up front yeah now that, i mean that's five giga data i mean that's never going to last no. you a Month, no, um, great. admittedly, the at five gigs. Red extra, no, sorry, this is Vodafone, so that's red extra. Oh, right, I'm yeah. not 100% sure what, the, <coughs> um, what the, the the actual bonus you get from that is. Okay, um, but you know, and then it's the same, they, they've only just slightly undercut EE. I mean, it's not, I mean, but they haven't actually. I mean, well, but EE starts, at, yeah, a really three, big, gigabytes. At 30 gig, they don't have a smaller one, oh, no. no, 10 gigabytes, but that's still 74 pounds a month, and that's still prohibitive. Mm. Um, like I mean there's a lot of people who, who limit their, mm. their data spend every single month yeah. so they can get away with a twenty to thirty pound contract. And, you know, are they gonna swap out and go to yeah. seventy pounds a month?
1: So that the cheapest one on the table you put there is fifty nine um Yeah, that that's for a one plus device. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So you're looking over there. Either way, I mean the total cost ownership is <clears throat> close to two K at the cheapest. Um, where if you bear in mind that the smartphone market is such that you can get a pretty decent smartphone for certainly under 500 quid so they're asking you to find an extra grand and a half
0: yeah I mean this is it's for me it's just they're just they've just gone about it entirely the wrong way Um, and marketing marketing on marketing on speeds is so unhealthy Um, Mm. it paints uh, it paints them into a corner because everyone's going to get that speed, it, 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 it creates an unrealistic um, experience in some people's heads because they're not going to get those speeds all yeah. the time, or at least for the first couple of years, um, you know, and it's leaning on this idea of a race to the bottom, if you purely focus your yeah. um, your business model and your retail marketing efforts around faster, bigger, stronger you're mm. never going to add value because you're offering the exact same thing as your competitor.
2: But, and but the thing is, uh, the 5G networks now, that, that's about the only thing you, they can offer because you, you can't offer any other sort of more, more advanced, real 5G functionalities nowadays mm. because it's, it's, it's a hybrid network. Well, like well you but, can. You can make it cheaper. Uh, yeah, that, but that's different. You can I make mean, it cheaper. The speed is, is now pretty much the only thing well, no, you can, you can, services if you get enough,
0: if you get enough people on a five G network, um, all of a sudden, like I said before, you completely, um, you 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 realize so many more cost efficiencies because of the the the, the cost of delivering connectivity.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you can you can, uh, no, you, can, you, can you can go that. on price instead of on speed. Wow. Yeah. Well, I imagine what happens within operators is you get a hell of a lot of tension between various bits, various silos within the... So so the engineers and those sorts of people may well go with Jamie's argument. The marketing people obviously want to make out it's the best thing since sliced bread the yeah. whole time. Yeah. The, uh, the, the commercial people want to charge a premium because they want to show some immediate ROI or something like that. So you're going to get various stakeholders um, battling it out. And... Uh, I suspect that's how you sometimes end up with these quite short-termist sort of myopic approaches. But we'll see, it'd be fascinating, presumably they'll start publishing by the end of the year, um, sort of 5G install base, and it'd be fascinating to see what happens either way. If we're, if we're all wrong and people are prepared to pay this premium and the install base is really, is, is much higher than expected, then great, and if it's not then it'd be interesting to see what they do about it are they going to suddenly drop their pants on price or are they going to start throwing in i suspect they won't want to drop their pants on price i reckon they'll start trying to throw in more freebies more incentives more bundled stuff to make it, or maybe make the handsets cheaper or something like that
0: i i just can't see i mean they're going to have to do something in six months time because you, you know if you actually look at the coverage maps when you go to places like if you actually look at what ee offers in say like belfast or Cardiff. Um, you're looking at a huge, huge coverage area across the sort of the downtown area, or the city centre. Um, it's pretty much everywhere you can. You would want to be. It covers all the the work environments and the highly congested areas in Cardiff. Um, but that's easy to do because Cardiff is only a city of three hundred and fifty, you know, to up to four hundred thousand. Geographically it's not a huge <coughs> area. So creating the network density in that sort of environment is very easy. Yeah. Where they're gonna really, really hurt themselves is London, where they're offering these extortionately priced um tariffs for minimal amounts of data. Um and then all of a sudden you're um you're only delivering it around the real hot spots. Like if I had a look on the coverage map, I think the South Bank area is a real hot spot. Right, where um, we are now. We well, not not where we are now actually. Okay. This far away um, even like a on couple hundred sides, yards further back. It's yeah, we're not getting coverage here. Okay. But further along, like down, down towards the globe and down towards sort of Blackfriars right. Station, that sort yeah. of area, is a sort of a densified area.
1: Which is probably why they lobbed poor old Stormsy out into the middle of the yeah. Thames.
0: So you get so you're getting a lot of um, you a lot of coverage around there, but the, the the geographical coverage over London is so so limited. So you're just going to cripple people's um, expectations, and you're gonna and you're going to turn people off from the idea of five G from the
1: offset. Mm-hmm. So Jamie, you went to like the the soft launch mm. of this five G. Did you not get invited to see Stormzy?
0: Uh no, I didn't actually. Got gotcha. um, no, you, uh, are you a fan?
1: No, oh, okay. I'm so um, not, not a big loss. What about you? Where are you stormy kind of going? Uh, no, no. Okay. All right. We're all alright. So, so don't deal. worry. We're, we're de- cool Didn't de- de- miss
2: out too much.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Um, cool. Anyone else before we move on? Got any other thoughts about sort of 5G in the UK? Like for timelines? Do we think this time next year we're going to be a bit more excited about it, Jamie?
0: No. I mean timelines look alright from the launch. I mean I haven't had a chance to to go into the the, the sort of the the nitty-gritty of vodafone yet um but from e they look like they're going to be you know two to three years down the line and sort of like 2022 is when it's going to start m- launching mm. the sort of the mission critical <coughs> latency, <coughs> latency services onto the network it's a um, slow burn. yeah it's a, it's a slow burn i mean it's going to be uh, so next year is when you get sort of like genuine 5g with the release 16 so there's a lot more of total cost of ownership, sort of virtualisation, those sort of latency yeah. and the core uh, standards that will come out. Um, so, I mean, aside from that, it's nothing, uh, it's nothing really to get that excited about. Uh, I mean, this is just something for the telcos to shout about because the telcos are terrible at innovation and finding something mm. to shout to then about. they finally got a hook, Yeah, well so they're, they're
1: desperate to flog it and they often do it too early.
0: Well, that's the thing, I mean, they've been struggling to, to, to to say anything new over the last couple of years. And this has led to, you know, we're going to undercut each other on price and try and overdo each other on speeds. Hence why you get all these false promises, which um, Ofcom and the Advertiser Standards Agency or authority are hitting people all the time. Because, um, I mean, you've got to be realistic. Over the last 10 years, where has innovation come from in the telco industry? It's probably come from the handset manufacturers. Um, you know, that is what people, what the telco shout about on,
1: uh, on adverts, yes. it's or by, not or actually OTTs from whom yeah, the telcos yeah. make no money.
0: Partners, partners. Yeah. It's not actually coming from the telcos themselves. You know, they're they they're, they're devoid of any you know in, inspiration and innovation themselves. So that's why their messaging has become so redundant, and you know, the their their customer services scores are so low because they they're, they're failing to meet expectations.
1: Mm-hmm. When, when, when are you going to start getting excited about 5G? Um, when,
2: when the real 5G is there, so what, what okay. Jamie said, so when they can start delivering the real sort of um, low latency services, that would make it more yeah. exciting. So, meaning the the real standalone mould is being adopted by more and more. And it probably won't be,
1: be interesting. A lot of it will probably won't even consume through a smartphone. It'll be things like sort of clever cars. It, it will be
2: more for industrial cases. Yeah, right? I mean, probably for consumers, it will be still be higher speed and lower tariffs. Right. But well, it, it, for for industrial cases and for for the professionals, that will be more exciting time.
0: Well, I think I think you know, in in two to three years' time, there will be you know bang on about there not being the case for the speed at the moment and there not being any applications or services which demands the requirements of 5G at moments but yeah that's I think I think in two three years time there will be um, there will be these services and applications on the markets but that's live gaming or something yeah, like that. yeah yeah
2: cloud gaming yeah, sort of immersive um, gaming yeah. and you 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 could even have some tactile feeling on your gloves and stuff right. like that. but that needs And to end real 5G, Um, and that's something that you still can't deliver at this moment. I don't, I see, I think, yes it does need that, but I
0: just don't, I don't think that's the big issue. Um, I think the big issue is where something like Uber, for instance, was, one of the poster boys and the flag bearers of the 4G evolution, Mm -hmm. but Uber didn't exist and the concept of Uber didn't exist until 4G was on the market and people had a chance to play around with it. So you
1: didn't ramp until that was fully established. Exactly, so (laughs) so
0: you're going to get all these services which emerge just purely because the really creative thinkers haven't got, had a chance to play around with 5G and this is part of the reason why scaling 5G is so important, you know. Mm -hmm. If you've got the if you've got the 5G test beds, you invite the, the the you invite the innovators in to play around and create new products. If you can scale it to a city all of a sudden they've got a POC where they can roll out sort of beta services to the general public and fine-tune their offering if you roll out 5g to the entire uh, UK economy they've got a scaled audience where they can actually become a genuine yeah. business then that becomes leapf- uh, a leap a leapboard onto the international market once you've got your core domestic market cool this is part of the reason why the US was so dominant in the 4G area. Because they nailed four G and created that te- that national yeah. testbed for international growth. Yeah. And the f- the first person you can the first country that can get a scaled five G on a national level will probably create, you know, the, the unicorns and the, the wondrous yeah, yeah, countries really that will yeah. exist in the Just, next which 5G is why rep.
1: there's so much rhetoric around sort of winning the race and yeah, investing yeah. in it and all that sort of thing. Okay. We better we better move on from there. But I'm going to hand the ball fairly squarely back to you, Jamie, uh, because you've written one or two things this week about this big mega merger between mm. T-Mobile US and Sprint, and there's a few extra little sort of nuances creeping in there. So why don't you tell us about that?
0: Yeah. So <coughs> last week the FCC came out and they said we'll approve the merger as long as you got three these three concessions, which was you know rolling out four G across five uh, G across ninety seven percent of the country within three years not to raise prices during this period and to sell off the Boost brand. Right, that so, was already that was already a thing, that Boost, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that, those are the, the FCC condi- uh, conditions and Sprint and T-Mobile said, yeah, that's fine. So then the DOJ came out over the weekend and says, right, okay, we're not too sure because we still feel that um, competition is gonna to be too negatively impacted right. by- Even with all those concessions? Even with all those concessions, it's going to be negatively impacted by the fact you're going from four to three telcos, right? So, so
1: it's, it's the sort of European Commission view, yes. isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. So they're, they're reported, alleged, they haven't come out with anything official yet. Um, their alleged concession is that assets, uh, both infrastructure and spectrum assets, are spun out of spin, uh, Sprint and T Mobile to create a fourth national yeah. player which will, you know, which will compete.
1: Belongs, yeah, like, and that's happened. That's right. Isn't that what happened? Is it in Italy? There's certainly been places where they've allowed consolidation as long as. Yeah, it was Italy. That's what created um, Free Italia. Yeah, yeah, Iliad. Iliad, Iliad. Italia, Iliad. sorry, yeah. Um, so so they're kind of mimicking what's happened in a few uh, European places where they only let consolidation happen as long as yeah. The the two that were merging just basically gave up a bunch of assets for a new entrant to take. Well I mean this is the thing and I
0: I just think it's going to, I mean this is why I'm now convinced that this merger will not go ahead, that these four operators will remain as four operators moving forwards because number one, assuming that these concessions are correct from the DOJ and they're true, um, first of all Sprint and T-Mobile have to put forward a plan which the DOJ agrees to, Um, so that's the first hurdle. Secondly, um, if you're taking out these assets from the Sprint and T Mobile business and to create a fourth mm-hmm. player, which there's no details on where the fourth player will come from, theoretically they can just turn around and say a fourth player has to exist, build it from the ground up. But, yeah. you know, time and money constraints, that's never going to happen. So, if you take the assets out of Sprint and T Mobile, you weaken. The proposition of the combined company because it doesn't have the full spectrum or asset portfolio that they're to striving towards. The, the, the big yeah. Tool. yeah. So yeah. it weakens their position and completely undermines the pro- uh, the the, the, yeah. the justification for the the. I agree. The the, the
1: merger in the first place. I think so I think they could at least make everyone chip in a bit. Like if they if they worry if their concern is about healthy competition, then they should make Verizon and AT and T lob a bit of. Spectrum, whatever it is but, that's but, needed. The problem is that dead ends the, the transaction
0: straight away because AT and T and Verizon want to block this transaction because they don't want a highly competitive third right. players. So they can just it. go no. We're so they just to... go no, and all of a sudden the concession doesn't no. exist anymore. Um, so I mean, I just think I I just can't see it going ahead anymore because number one, the newly merged company just doesn't deliver on the promise of creating enhanced competition because you're weakening the 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 position of the new company by stripping assets out of it. Number two these three companies will be terrified of a new aggressive um, fourth player coming into the market. Just look what Free did in yeah. France and look what Iliad did in Italy. Yeah. It, it they, they hooved that market share and
1: destroyed yeah. uh, the business model. It's so the, the, the r that they that they really damaged because yeah. you get healthy price competition for once.
0: And the, thirdly, um, you know, we're assuming that the DOJ is going to say yes anyway. You know, this is, we're assuming that this is going to be okay. Um, they might say no. Yeah. And they might, they might, they might say no. For well, that's what you've written about
1: is that they're kind of inclined to say no. I,
0: I think uh, it's going to be, I, I just can't see how this merger is going to go ahead
2: anymore. Yeah, I think the, the point you made was quite valid. The longer the whole process drags mm. on, the less likely it will happen. So it's probably the case. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to say about who the fourth entrant would be. Just slightly forced segue onto another story you just wrote today, but it's not like there's any shortage of companies in the states who are constantly looking to poke their nose into new areas. So just to, before I hand it back to you, you wrote a story just a rumor um, that Amazon might be interested in buying Boost. So Boost, just to I don't think we we stressed it on this. Boost is specifically a prepaid, i.e. pay as you go sub brand, and most most big MNOS have sort of pay as you go sub brands that. And they, they market them differently and generally aim them at yeah. younger people and, yeah. and skinter people and all that sort of thing. Um, and so there's something saying that Amazon was sniffing around that. And obviously, if Amazon's sniffing around that, then if they're considering that as a big if, then why wouldn't they consider being a, a full-time sort of player? Uh,
0: I think because of the price. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about $3 billion, uh useful yeah. fetch, but that's $3 billion for to effectively be an MVNO. Yeah, um, because it seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess they've got a big sort of client base or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Boost is one of the biggest, um, biggest rounds. But I mean, ultimately, what you've got to remember there is not really competition for the three players because it's an M B and O on yeah, the T yeah. Mobile yeah. network. Um, so it won't actually be an independent network. I mean, could could one of the big players come in and buy the assets? Maybe, but I just don't think that. I think. Google has shown that it's not very good at running an infrastructure business, but the web scale players are very good at running customer facing, the retail yeah. side of the business. So, which is why Enviado suits yes, them. That. Yes, yes, yeah. NVIDIA suits them greatly, but I don't think they <laughs> want to get involved in the because running a running a network is hard. And you know, you look at you look at BT, you know, in the UK, they employ like eighty odd thousand people. You know, we're looking at probably what forty thousand of those are uh, at least. Um, or maybe thirty thousand. What their their field engineers? So they're people that are actually in the field, running the network, fixing the yeah. network, installing, doing utilities stuff. Yes, yeah,
1: and yeah, and utili- and utilities business is very different from a sort of full blown commercial business. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, mean, I mean, I mean, this and this is the, the the fundamental difference between someone like Amazon and someone like AT and T. Like AT and T has a pedigree of running a physical business. Uh, yeah. oh, so Amazon is a bad example there because it does, be so it's curious. got it's got courier. Uh, well, because it's got a, it, uh, it, it, it delivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's not pure.
0: Yeah, it's not it's Google not, maybe. Google. The, yeah. you know they don't have a field engineering force. Yeah, and they don't have any experience in running
1: that type of physical business. But to be honest, even with with Amazon, what they're good at, you know, when I look at people who drop stuff off. Which happens, centers. which happens all too often. But but most of the people who are actually dropping it off are just contractors. Yeah, yeah and yeah, they're very exactly. good at that sort of zero hours. but, yeah. but don't forget, stuff. They, they do still employ like well over a hundred thousand yeah.
0: people, and you know a lot of that is sort of in physical um Warehouses. fulfillment mm, yeah. centers. So the the logistical side of the business, you know, yeah. actually running a
2: Factory, as it were, yeah, yeah, a uh, Their most profitable business is the uh, cloud computing, yeah. Part. So, um, but even if they were going to buy Boost um, to, to start with, I don't think that would qualify them as the fourth competitor. No, 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 because no, no, it no. they cause don't, don't no, end up. My point yeah, was yeah, if, if they're willing to go that far, are they willing to go further? And and, yeah. and Jamie's I, counterpoint I, is, I a don't big think difference. it, it would, but yeah. I think the, the point you made, um, or probably some analysts who talked to you. It was making a lot of sense. Is even if they were going to buy Boost, it would be part of their overall proposition. Um, so v- adding value to what they already had, <coughs> they, they already offer, for <coughs> example, their cloud services or um their their consumer prime facing yeah the, yeah the the prime bundles. Instead of sort of competing with the the AT and T's and the and the Verizon's, so yeah, I mean, even if they, that should happen, it would not. Become, it will not sort of really meeting the demand of what um, what the DOJ yeah. is. Yeah, yeah.
0: At I moment. mean, yeah. yeah. Like I said, there it's not an independent because it'd no. be an MBO, I and mean, even I mean this is the, one of the batshit things about the um, the, the 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 US market anyway because their MBOs are tied to um, they're tied to networks, yeah. mm. um, and so they're not real genuine MVNOs, you know what does it stand for mobile virtual network operator so yeah. in theory a UK MVNO, if they you know if I'm her and I've got a mobile with I, I, I don't know who their relationship with is yeah. O2 and they all of a sudden they go okay actually I'm going to go across yeah. to uh, this network yeah. you know the idea of eSIM which has been developing for years means they can just automatically switch over but in the US, if you want to switch networks, it involves switching out all the SIMs yeah. that are in all the individual phones. <coughs> but this is the this is the the, the crazy thing about um, prepaid phones is you don't know who your customers are. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to provide ID to buy a SIM card. You don't no. need. You're not tied into a contract. There's no billing address ninety uh, percent of the time. Unless you're paying by cards, then there obviously is a billing mm-hmm. address. Yeah. You know, X percent cryptocurrency. By cryptocurrency <coughs> X percentage of your prepaid customers. You've got no idea who you are, so you can't swap out those SIMs unless you appeal to them to come in and okay. change the SIM card.
1: I'm going to force the segue, which which that last comment was a sort of very clumsily forced segue, because Jamie, you got a bail in a few minutes. Um, <coughs> cryptocurrency. So at and One thing I wrote. They've started accepting cryptocurrency to pay bills. Which I realised I hadn't really been keeping an eye on it as a sector, but more and more big blue-chip companies are accepting cryptocurrency. I'd, I'd still thought of Bitcoin as a bit of this crazy Wild West stuff that, that's only the sort of, of interest to wild speculators and, and sort of internet conspiracy theorists, but apparently not. It's becoming very mainstream. So, yeah, the at and one is sort of incidental in that it happens to be a phone company, but they're also one of the biggest most established companies in the world. So you can now pay for your phone bill with Bitcoin. Um, But the even more interesting cryptocurrency story for me this week was that um, apparently Facebook, is it you that wrote this, Jamie? Yes. Yeah, that Facebook, well it wasn't me, that kind of narrows it down. um, Facebook is launching its own cryptocurrency. I think the reason I'm going to keep going on about it for a bit longer is because I read another article analysing it about just the whole... It's more the the concept, the whole concept of individual brands that are not involved in financial services creating financial service sub-brands which is massively facilitated by cryptocurrency because apparently what Facebook wants is for you to use Facebook currency to buy stuff or, or to have some kind of commercial interaction on Facebook and then it'll give you some kind of, I don't know, some kind of virtual reward. And so basically, by owning the currency, it locks you into its ecosystem even more than before, which I think is at the same time interesting and ominous. Like one thing where you and I have chatted about in the past is this uh, social credit thing they've got going on in China, mm. um, which to you know, those people who aren't aware of it, is basically a, a sort of score system for people's behavior where they're rewarded for behaving in a state-approved way and they're punished for, for misbehaving, yeah. again in, by state-approved parameters. And I can see that happening in microcosm on platforms like Facebook. Mm. So imagine if you're if you're using this Facebook currency and then you post up something that's a bit moody. Mm. Um, you know some some sort of crazy opinionated bigoted stuff. Do they then? Do you then start getting punished in this cryptocurrency and all that sort of thing? Anyway, I just
2: thought I'd chuck that. i have only got a couple of minutes left. Yeah, you, you, you don't need the <coughs> cryptocurrency to punish people. No, that's true. People are no, getting kicked off. They, they, they get banned. Or but maybe they them. but maybe they'd like
1: a, a more subtle instrument rather than just mm. banning people.
2: Yeah.
1: Maybe they'd like to just sort of punish them or de rank them or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I um, I, I Jamie has done some uh, researching. Yeah, we'll finish in, off on yeah, in, in in cryptocurrency, but. My my sort of rather rudimentary research is I've I've I still found the whole logic a bit flawed, because it's purely defined the value of crypto cryptocurrency, is purely determined by supply and demand,
1: to, to some, some extent speculation. Yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, all the currencies when when they were issued there is a nominal value to it. Yeah. So a few cents, for example. And then it's just to the market to define its its value, and that's why you have um, such long tail. I believe there there must be thousands of cryptocurrencies out there, but you only have two, probably, the most valuable ones: Hmm. um, Bitcoin being one, and and Ethereum. 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 And there's
0: another one called Lithium,
1: yeah, which is quite quite popular. Sounds like drugs to me.
2: Mm, Well, they they are. In- in- Ethereum, Ethereum, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, how, the, the, the fundamental problem with, I mean, my fundamental problem with cryptocurrency is how to value it. Right. A few years ago, um, a university in Cyprus, I think, started accepting tuition fees being paid by Bitcoins. Right. Um, well, if they got some, and um, if they catch them last year, they they may yeah. make big fortunes. But if they, they help them it's on. Just so volatile.
0: So, exactly. Well, I so, mean, it, it kind of depends what type of cryptocurrency you have, though, because mm-hmm. there's no, there's no, there's nothing
1: to say that you have to have. Um, a cryptocurrency floating. which is floating through, well and I think it, the Facebook works. one actually is pegged to the dollar, funnily enough which makes you wonder why they bother But I well, mean, this, exactly.
0: this is the other way to go about it and this is one of the reasons why I think the cryptocurrency for Facebook is a good idea um, in that it's, you can either if you if you go for an initial coin offering, like you're talking about um, that's like basically like an IPO and yeah. like you said market yeah. demands yeah. dictate on how much that coin is worth per mm. share. Mm. Um, if you just tie it to the dollar and you t- and you use it as an internal service, it's basically just virtual cash.
2: Exactly. Um, so that's that's different, right? Yeah, which
0: is, which is yeah, which is different. And the reason I think Facebook, one of the reasons I think Facebook are doing it is because if you look at where Facebook is actually going to make money, I completely agree with you, tying people into the ecosystem and meaning. Um, people purchasing on webs uh, cannot go directly to um, the actual advertiser, so that keeps right. people on the core platform. It also um, it creates a bit more trust in the advertisers because if you buy with Facebook's cryptocurrency mm-hmm. off a supplier that you've never come across before, Theoretically, you're paying them in Facebook dollars, yep. so it's Facebook that's taking the, the risk. They're yeah. the intermediary. They're the intermediary, and you know there's there'll be a process that if it's dodgy, you can just claim back your Facebook yeah. dollars. Yeah. And finally, um, which I think is a bet, which I think is probably the most important reason, is um, you're looking at Facebook's growth area and the real commercial benefits um, are in regions where bank accounts aren't really, you know, they're not yeah. ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at areas that you know they can buy cryptocurrency, they can buy Facebook coins, cash, right. um, in a yeah. store, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're credited to your account, and then all of a sudden you can be part of yeah. the digital economy without having a bank. So account. A similar concept
1: to we used to talk like years ago about carrier billing in that same way, and we had yes. a little bit of like Vodafone in peso yeah. and that sort of thing. Yes. So similar sort of. I think I think that's one of the big reasons. Of that.
0: Especially mm-hmm. when you look in somewhere like Kenya, where a lot of the transactions are run, I think it's something like more than 50% yeah, are yeah, in way, way,
2: Way more than, way higher than that. Maybe yeah, it's so 70, 80. Really, range. really
0: high. Um, so I think that's, that's an area okay. where. Um, no,
1: that, that, that is a good idea. I, I, I'll concede that one totally.
0: But then I, I think it'll fail
1: for two reasons. Firstly. I've, I've just conceded now you're turning th- on. Three, three reasons
0: it'll fail. I think it's a very good idea, but I think yeah. it'll fail. Uh, number one. You're asking people to trust Facebook with their money, which is a lot different from personal data because it's physical yeah. and I earned it. Um, and trust with Facebook is not at an all-time high. No, with is <laughs> Facebook isn't incredibly high at your thunder at all. The second thing is people don't spend money on stuff they don't understand. Mm. And as you can tell from, I mean, I don't understand it. I've got a very, very basic understanding of cryptocurrency and I've done some research into it. You know, man on the street yeah, doesn't exactly. understand it, so why would he spend money on it? And thirdly, um, it's also unregulated. Yeah, it's completely unregulated in the UK, at least anyway. Elsewhere in the world, there's sort of different levels of regulation, but it's completely unregulated here at least. So people will not have the confidence to invest in something that is very unregulated. I mean, just look at look at how many people got stung from Bitcoin. Yeah, how many people talk about investing in cryptocurrency on a day to day basis now? Not not very many. No, and yet,
1: and yet, if you bought it a year ago, you'd be laughing right yeah. now, but it's just so volatile. you just never know yeah. right, i'm going I'm going to start wrap it up because I know you've got a thing to do in a couple of minutes um and uh but yes i think I think that's really interesting, and i i I suppose my final thought is that they'll just launch it and leave it out there. Yeah and then leave it as a slow burner. It doesn't have to be a sort of massive winner straight away. Well, you say that. They tried it once before the and they failed. Right. Um, Facebook credits
0: in 2013 or 2011 were launched and yeah. uh, they were, it was shut down two years later.
1: So right. well, they, they,
0: that was massively ahead of the right. currency trend. So well, yeah. it might be different.
1: So they've either got, yeah, if they haven't decided it's a slow burner and they're going to pull the plug on it, if it doesn't take off straight away, then they're wasting their time, I think. All right, um, let's stop it there. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you join us for the next one. Cool.